Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for Now, you've just come from the store and you've got some bags of groceries. Person with a gift of mercy, what do they do? If you really have the gift of mercy, just open the car door and go, and you give it to them, or some of it. If you don't have a gift of mercy, what do you do? That stupid guy out there in a truck with that. <laughs> that guy's richer than I am. I can see he sleeps over there. He doesn't sleep over there. Look, look at that stuff. There's, he's got a walkie talkie. He's talking to somebody else. Did I hit anybody's? (laughs) You've seen those people standing by the side of the road at intersections or entrances to shopping centers. They look pretty bad and are holding signs asking for help. Pastor Mark's teaching today will be focusing on people with the supernatural gift of mercy. You'll hear how these people are more likely to help the person on the side of the road and how they are God's gift to the rest of the body. You'll learn their strengths as well as their weaknesses and where in the body of Christ they fit in. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in Romans chapter 12 as he continues this series called Motivational Gifts. And so this love, this overriding love is something that comes out. So this compassionate John is just the one there. But John has a good balance because not only are the epistles, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, written about love, and you just see love over and over again, but you'll also see truth balanced. Truth and love. Great balance. Person with a pure gift of mercy, mm-mm, love. Truth is not in there. They don't want to ever really say anything that's going to cause a little bit of friction or hurt a person. But interesting, in Second John, the word truth is mentioned five times, and the word love is mentioned five times. That's the balance that's needed. Number nine, if you're a person with a compassionate gift, you close your spirit to those who are insincere in your eyes or insensitive. Here's what happens. You look at somebody and they, they don't show compassion to this need. So you don't say anything because you don't want to hurt them. But you withdraw from them because you're saying, what is wrong with you? I mean, there's an obvious need here. You went right by it. What's wrong with you? So these people can't understand why every, just like all the rest of the gifts, you can't understand why everybody doesn't respond to a need like they do. Why don't you do this? And it just absolutely drives them crazy. What they reason is this. If everybody had compassion like me, the hurting world, man, it would be so much better and we'd just be able to solve everything. So this gift of mercy works alongside with the gift of service, as I mentioned to you, and of course hospitality and helps. Those kind of four kind of just blend themselves together. So 
Let's talk tonight about the dangers. Those are the things that the gift of mercy, the compassionate person has. You already, if you have that gift or a part of that gift, now let's stop and just remind yourself something. Most people have a mixture of gifts. And the, the reason God does that, I believe, is number one, it helps balance you and I. But then it gives us an understanding that just one pure gift is a pretty hard gift to manage by itself. This gift, like any other, like the prophet gift, if a pastor has a prophet gift and that's the only gift he has, he'll have a discipleship group is what he'll have. He won't have too big a church because there won't be any grace or mercy. He just keeps killing people every day with truth. So you bring a visitor say, would you like to come back again? No, I'd rather get run over by a truck or whatever. (laughs) I'm not interested in coming back and hearing that again. This person with a gift of mercy? Well, let me give you an example, and then we'll go through some of the things. You're on 95, and you get off at either Wickham or Palm Bay or Malabar or whatever, and there's a guy there with a sign. (laughs) Now, you've just come from the store, and you've got some bags of groceries. Person with a gift of mercy, what do they do? If you really have the gift of mercy, just open the car door and go, and you give it to them, or some of it. If you don't have a gift of mercy, what do you do? That stupid guy out there in a truck with that. <laughs> that guy's richer than I am. I can see he sleeps over there. He doesn't sleep over there. Look, look at that stuff. There's, he's got a walkie talkie. He's talking to somebody else. <laughs> Did I hit anybody's? Yeah, that's exactly right. By the way, did you know that that's quite true very often? These guys are just a ring, and man, are they big time. So as we go through these, you'll see how you react, and you'll know whether you have the gift of mercy. Now, let me just say this. Do all of us need a little bit of the gift of mercy? Absolutely. Number one, dangers, if we operate in the flesh and not the spirit. If you have this gift... But you don't operate in the spirit with it. You operate in the flesh. What happens? Number one, you can get discouraged when criticized. The one who shows mercy is to do it with cheerfulness. That's the thing that makes it valid. It makes it real. It makes it exciting. And you have to guard against becoming discouraged or feeling unappreciated. Why? Some people, no matter what you do for them, will not express appreciation. How do you take that then? Well, man, I bent over backwards, went to see him 14 times. I did this, I did that, I did whatever. And these people, all you hear from them is, nobody does anything for me. And so the danger is, are you doing it to hear somebody say thank you? Or can you leave that with God? You see, if I operate in the flesh and that kind of response comes, I can become cynical and take this sour grapes attitude and maybe pull into a... Shell. Now, that means all of us, we've all done this, we've all at times shown mercy to an individual and did something for them, maybe many things. And the word that gets back to us is they're not appreciative at all. It wasn't enough. We've all had that. And so here's the challenge. When somebody shows you and I mercy, let's remember to thank people. So when somebody's been merciful to you and gone out of their way to care for you and help you and speak with you and do whatever, remember yourself. This is to me also to be thankful to them, to express thanks, because the person that has this gift and does it 
if constantly coming back to them is no thank you, then of course they get very discouraged. Number two, here's the problem with people with the pure gift of mercy. Don't take on the burdens of the world, plus your own. You see, this compassionate person, what happens in their life is they feel there's a need. There's a need. There's a need. They're always out meeting all these needs. That's the antenna. It just comes up. And pretty soon they're drained emotionally and spiritually. You see, if you do it in the flesh, you'll never ever be effective. You have to be led by the Spirit. Let me explain why that is. When we walk outside this door, how many needs are there going to be around us in these next few days that we could have the gift of mercy and reach out and meet? How many? One, two, three, four, five, or more? Everywhere. So, can I meet all the needs that are in front of me? Absolutely not. But my nature, I'm wired to do what? Meet it, 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 meet it. But I can't do that. Perfect example. I remember many, many years ago, in fact, I think Jimmy and I were on that trip probably 25 years ago now. We went to Haiti, and I did some teaching in Haiti. And you get off the plane in Haiti, way back then, it's not too much different now, India's same. And the minute you get off the plane, thousands of kids. So, first time you're ever there, you know, you get your pennies out, you get your candy out, your gums out. Well, you take care of the first 200, now what? There's thousands behind them. They're just everywhere. And it's a great illustration to me because I can't meet all those needs. Because now the kids in the third row back that I've run out of candy or money or whatever, I can't meet any of their needs. And so I'm frustrated. And they're frustrated. So what does that mean? If you have the gift of compassion and mercy, remember, it's not just feeling something, it's doing something. If you have the gift, you must pray about what God leads you to. Because there's more things out there for you to meet than you could ever meet. Impossible to meet. You just can't do it. Think about Jesus. The Bible says that he would go into a city. I remember this one specifically, remember? He went and he healed people morning to night. I think it was at Capernaum. The next morning he went out to pray. You remember? Disciples couldn't find him. They get up in the morning they go out and find him. The disciples say to him, hey, the line is already out the door back where we were last night. The town, there's more people coming from everywhere. They really need you. What did Jesus say? Do you remember? I must go to the next town because I must share the truth of the gospel. So what did he leave back at Capernaum that day? Lots of people with what? Needs. He said, well, that's not very kind. No, 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 no. He was one man. Remember, he was fully man and fully God. But he can only be in one place at one time. So we have to depend on the Spirit. And that's hard for some of you because you're not wired to do it. You're wired to meet every need. Impossible to do it. You must depend on the Spirit. Now, number three. Be aware of becoming an enabler to those who need to make some changes in their life. I'll speak more about that in a moment. But that's huge. You see, the mercy person, if you're listening by the Spirit, you'll know when to help and when to kind of be a little firm. If you're not listening to the Spirit, then you're going to enable people. You're going to help them get out of a problem. And probably God didn't want you to help them to get out of the problem. You say, well, what kind of deal is that? 
Just wait. Number four, you find it difficult to be firm and you're actually indecisive. So you can actually make that, find it difficult to be firm and decisive because you're indecisive. Why? Here's why. It's very difficult for the person with compassion to make decision because they don't want to upset the apple cart. They just want to fix something without causing any more problems. So if they have to make a decision, man, do I really speak the truth to this person? And they really need help here. And I can't really do that. And so their head isn't ruling. Their heart is always ruling. And so it's a difficult thing for them. And they will delay making decisions, saying things, because they don't want to hurt the individual. Now, number four, how does that work? These individuals, because they work with their heart, are easily conned. Guy at the I-95 and whatever. I'm not saying they're all that way. Just some. How about in the church, too? People know that the church has lots of people with the gift of mercy. Do people outside the church know that? Sure they know that. See, being in a pastor's home and being in this for 55, 60 years as a Christian, I got lots of history. I can remember back in my dad's church, this would be back in the 50s when I was old enough to understand. And there'd be somebody at our door. I need a few dollars for gas. Or I need this or that and the other. And I remember early on asking my dad about that. We didn't know the people. They just found out he was a pastor. And they came to our home. Well, over time, I found out my dad stopped giving to those people. You know what the city did? Well, the pastors in the town set up a little deal. There's a guy in a blue car. He's hit four churches so far for gas. He'll be coming to years next. You say, well, people aren't like that. (laughs) See, that's a gift of mercy. Well, people aren't like that. They really need help. Well, you're easily what? Con. Because your heart speaks and your head goes into neutral. (laughs) Now, what's the danger of that? That I never help. You're one of them, eh? Sure, you need gas. Whatever. Interesting. So we have to be careful both ways, but understand those with the gift of mercy easily can be taken advantage by these people. And man, do they have a, you name it, they've got this itinerary down. They can just hit you with 42 things. I heard somebody say they probably have this book and they have great sayings to get money. And they just study it and try it on you. That one doesn't work. They try the next one, the next one. They're just good at this. And so if a person's with their heart, they're going, man, they need help. They need help. Let's pay them. Let's take care of them. Next. See, those of you that get to mercy right now are looking at me like, what kind of a hard-nosed guy are you? (laughs) I know that. That's okay. I have that. That's not my main gift. So I can speak to you with my head. (laughs) Number five. Is easily hurt by others. If you have the gift, see, you've already been hurt by me. <laughs> I'm changing churches. This pastor has no mercy. Actually, to tell you, there isn't anybody on our staff that has mercy because we all have the gift of leadership. No, that isn't true. <laughs> Don't think that. It's not true at all. The compassionate person is easily hurt by others. Why? Because they deal with people that are hurt all the time. And so they're vulnerable. Their sensitive nature, which helps them to go, whoo, 
Same thing for them. They're easily, easily hurt. Now, how do we grow if you have that gift of mercy? Then we're going to do some scriptures later to show us how we do this. Number one, allow God to love you and carry your burdens. Remember, this is very important for you. If you're going to serve God in any way, shape, or form, you have to serve God out of overflow. You don't serve God out of natural gifting. You serve God out of overflow. So when people are going through difficult times in their lives, maybe they've lost their job for months and whatever, or there's a marriage situation, or there's separation, or there's a death, or there's all that. Very often, as leadership, we will say to this individual, okay, you need to sit out for a while. Why? Not because they've lost out with the Lord. Because... Only serving out of overflow is really effective. So if there's so many things going on in your life that you're just going to go through the motion, then we just say, okay, take a break for a little bit. Just a few weeks or months or whatever it takes, and then we'll get you right back into serving again. Not long term. So understand, if you're going to be this person, you're giving, you're giving, you're giving. You're always around hurting people. That's hard on you. And you have to let God love you and take your burdens. You have to. When I worked in the hospital for all those years, the hardest wing for me was pediatrics. And you'd go and you see those little kids with cancer and you name it. I don't know how those nurses operated in that day in and day out. Because they're always drained with that kind of a deal. Life and death. Little kids can't do anything. Just really tough. And as you can imagine, you can think about it because we have a lot of people here. People in the medical field often have a big dose of this gift. Okay? And they're there. Why? Because they love people. They want to help the hurting in a lot of ways. Now, it's not pure because, remember, that this is mostly emotional, not the physical part. But it's still related. Number two, if you're going to grow in this gift, you have to realize that our little uh, potato head is not just a head. He's got a heart. He's got arms. He's got feet. He's got a mouth. So you have to, number two, you have to use other gifts in the body to balance your non-thinking because you're responding with your heart. Now that's vice versa the same way. The prophet needs people with the gift of mercy to balance them. Don't just worry about truth. Don't destroy them. They're hurting people. Come alongside them. Number three, this is a big one. I'm going to spend a little bit of time on it. Number three, accept the truth that you even though you have this incredible gift, can't fix everyone or meet everyone's needs. You have to accept that as a given. Now turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. When you think about this, here's what happens. You're presented with a need, and this works in family situations, or it works in counseling situations. Could happen in your home with your husband, wife, Kids, when they leave home, grandkids, whatever, could certainly work in all of our lives in counseling sessions. And this is why people who have this gift have to be very careful. In Hebrews chapter 12, we have a section that those with the gift of mercy, this would not be circled in your Bible. This is not like your high priority. Because it's about godly discipline. 
Okay? In my life and in your life, the only one that knows what I need, whether I need a really good dose of mercy, which many times I do, thank God we get it, or do I need somebody with the gift of exhortation that will say, let them hurt, because God's doing something in their life. See, with a person with the gift of mercy going, no way, I don't got to let them hurt. I'm going to come to their rescue. And by doing that, in a counseling session, for instance, what we do is we actually, listen carefully, we actually interfere with God. Now let's read these verses. Chapter 12, verse 7. Endure hardship as discipline. person with the gift of compassion doesn't like this verse at all. Can't stand it. Endure hardship. No way. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? That's an interesting rhetorical question, isn't it? I heard a statistic. 50% of the homes in the United States have no father. Now, do you know what the fruit of that is going to be in the next generation? A disaster. Because they have no role model. And why? Because the marriage... 50% no role model. Verse 8, if you are not disciplined, and notice in your NIV how it says, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. This is probably written after the fact. It isn't written while you're getting the discipline. None of us. Hey, Dad, thanks. How about some more? I don't think so. How much more should we submit to the Father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplines us, notice, circle it, for our what? For our good. Now, Your father, my father, me being a father, none of us disciplined perfectly. There were times as a father I should have disciplined more in different ways. There were times I should have not disciplined at all. But I wasn't a perfect father. And I didn't do it exactly right. But God's a perfect father. So see, when a person is going through a situation and they're hurting and they've made a poor decision, The person with the gift of mercy steps right in and says, I got the fix for you. And if they haven't prayed about it, what they're doing, they're getting between God and this person. And they're stopping what God's trying to do. So what will happen long term? It'll get worse. Because you enable that individual because you have that gift of mercy. And parents, as parents, we all do that. By the way, grandparents are worse than parents. Notice as it goes on. Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for a good that we may share in His holiness. Now, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, there it is. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. One of the things Pastor Marcus touched on in his teachings on the motivational gifts is the need for balance when exercising the gifts. 
You've heard about the dangers of focusing on using only one gift and how things can get out of whack if you do this. Today you heard about the risk of applying mercy in a situation where God doesn't want mercy applied. Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. We have multiple campuses to reach those living in Melbourne, Sebastian and Vieira. All campuses meet each weekend and on Wednesdays to spend time collectively raising our voices in worship to our Most High God and studying the truth and blessings found in His Word. For more information, directions, and service times, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on the church link at the bottom of the page. In his teaching, Pastor Mark, next time we'll wrap up this message on the gift of mercy. You'll hear more about the dangers of misusing mercy. Yes, it's possible to do that, and what can result from that misuse. You'll also find out how to know if this is a gift you might have and if you don't have it. You'll learn how to nurture and cultivate this gift so it can be of use to the body of Christ. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in. And may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a hurting